You're listening to SA Talk, San Antonio's favorite podcast for discussions involving the Alamo City. I'm your host and favorite retirement advisor, Zachary Esperiqueta. Today is Friday, August 6th, and I have a fantastic guest joining me on today's episode. This week, I get to speak with Thea Setterbo, the Director of Communications for the Hemisphere Park Area Redevelopment Corporation. You'll hear a different title during the conversation, but that's because she recently had a title change, so just keep that in mind. Thea graduated from Texas State in San Marcos with a BA in Journalism and has served in many roles throughout her career, which you'll get to hear during the discussion. She most notably worked for the City of San Antonio for about five years where she was a Public Information and Engagement Officer before spending about a year and a half as a Public Affairs Manager. It was in 2019, though, that she took on her new role at Hemisphere, where she oversees brand standards, community engagement, government relations, and communications strategy for the 40-acre urban park. Thea has a ton of experience in PR, marketing, and communications, and it really shows. Interestingly enough, she was also a disc jockey at one point in her career. In fact, for being honest here, think she has more experience than me speaking into a microphone. Thea has a real passion for the work she does, as well as for the city that she lives in. She wasn't born in San Antonio, but she has lived here for about 10 years now and has had a huge impact on the city in that span of time. I'm really excited to get to my conversation with Thea Setterbo, so without further ado, here it is. I'm kind of interested to know, just because we haven't really talked too much about it, but how did you come across the podcast in the first place? Yeah, so I remember seeing you guys had won an award, I think, last year. The San Antonio Magazine. Yes, right. yes. So that's the first time that I I heard about you. I guess I saw it on a social media post. I listened at that point to an episode, one episode. Okay. And then, you know, my my podcasts that I listen, I tend to listen to uh, when I'm getting ready for work or on my commute are not San Antonio related. They're, they're still <laughs> or something that makes me laugh in the morning. So I didn't really listen to you guys again until that the episode where you and your, your prior co-hosts were talking about Hemisphere and somebody sent it to me and I think you might want to reach out to these guys and make sure they are talking about Hemisphere accurately. And so that's, of course, when I reached out to you. And I'm grateful that all of that happened because I I don't know that we would have necessarily met otherwise. And it's been cool to watch the uh, SA Podcast Network grow. It's funny because, you know, I was joking a few episodes back with DeMonte about that, about how that was kind of like an eye-opener For me, just because that kind of told me like, hey, we're not really doing accurate journalism. You know, going back to like the planning of the podcast, that wasn't even what we were trying to do. You know, we weren't trying to be journalists, neither my previous co-host nor me like went to school for journalism, but we were reading off articles. You know, we were going, every time we scheduled a record, we were going on MySA, we were going on the San Antonio Report, San Antonio Magazine, The Current. We were looking up articles and just talking about them. When we met you and Andres from Hemisphere, that was kind of like, it told me, I was like, you know what, we're not doing this right. Like we're not digging and, and asking the right people for the right information and we're also not doing our part in learning, you know, about it instead of just, you know, just talking about it. It was just an eye opener for me right now with the talk show. That's kind of why I've paused a little bit with the current events, just because number one, I I don't have a co-host, but number two, it takes a lot of work to do even a minimal amount of journalism, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually a journalism major. That was my my undergrad degree. So I definitely and I, I did a little stint at the school newspaper back at Texas State. And, you know, I know how much goes into it on the back end. And then of course, on on this side of things, I've been in PR for the last decade. And so I know how, how much work how much work goes in on both sides. And it is important to make sure we we are sending accurate information and not just coaching, but reaching out and being proactive. And so, and, you know, again, like I said, I'm glad that that experience happened and we were able to bring you guys down and show you what hemisphere really is. And I remember it was like, a, it was a beautiful day and things were opening back up. And so it was a perfect time to do that, to do the little walk around around hemisphere and, and meet there at Commonwealth. But for the listeners who maybe don't know who you are, <laughs> seems like a lot of people here in San Antonio know who you are. But for the listeners who don't know, I know you brought up you went to Texas State, you did a little bit of journalism, and you've been in PR for a while. Um, they probably know you're a hemisphere, but I, I guess give a little backstory. You know, where did you grow up around here? Where did you grow up? How did you get to Texas State? How did you get here? Yeah, yeah. So thank you, first of all, Zachary, for having me on. I'm really excited to to talk to you. And you've had some people that I, I love on the podcast so far and people who I am excited to hear coming up. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and inviting me on. So I am a Texas girl. I was born and raised uh, in Texas. I have not been in San Antonio my whole life. I was born in Rockport, have a lot of family there uh, still. My grandma still lives down there. And in the fourth grade, my parents picked us up. I have a younger sister. They, They picked us up, quit their jobs, and we moved to Fredericksburg. So that's where I grew up. Uh, just a little bit of our north of here. It was a very idyllic childhood, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a beautiful little town. My mom was a high school teacher, so we knew everybody, a uh, very small school. I was not super excited about school, but I, um, I loved writing. And so that's kind of how my career path started. I worked at the high school newspaper I only applied to Texas State and Texas Tech and decided Texas State seemed more fun. So I decided to go there. And um, (laughs) I actually started out, funny story, I started out as a public relations major at Texas State and I hated my classes. And so I changed my major to journalism. And I'm I'm so glad that that happened because it really gave me a foundation and I was able to do a lot of things that I don't know I would have otherwise. Um, Is it true that Texas State is a party school? Would you say that? Well, I think that any school, <laughs> school, if that's what you're looking for, and that's definitely what I was looking for at Texas. <laughs> but, you know, luckily got my act together after my freshman year and, and started to get involved. So I was a radio DJ at the, um, oh, the wow. radio station there. And that was so much fun. And then, of course, getting involved at the University Star, I was the entertainment editor and it was really a really great foundation. From there, I, I got an internship my senior year. I waited till the very last minute to get an internship. I do not recommend that. Um, I got an internship with the city of Austin in their media relations office. And it was just this eye-opening experience, my first real interaction with local government and really kind of getting a behind-the-scenes look of what that was, how it functioned, participating in city council meetings. I was running the city's Twitter account and you know, it was a really great experience. You were doing a lot at that point then because you, I mean, you were doing a little bit of journalism, you're doing media relations, you said, and then social media too. Yeah. Uh, do you see that a lot? I, I mean, because I'm not very versed or experienced in, in either of those industries, but with journalism or journalists that maybe, you know, they want to, they want to write, they want to write for maybe a newspaper or some kind of publication, but maybe they go into PR. I mean, is it kind of, does that mix well? Does those industries go together? 
You know, I've always uh, heard that PR is the dark side and people from the journal, you know, in journalism <laughs> often do come over to the dark side. I will say it is a little more lucrative. Journalism, unfortunately, doesn't pay too well, you know, um, especially starting out. So I think that it is pretty common. You know, that was that was my course. Of course, I wouldn't consider myself at any point a professional journalist, but that is how uh, that's definitely how my career took shape. You had little experience working for the city of Austin, you said, um, but then eventually you got to the city of San Antonio and you you were there for what, four years, five years? I was there for five years. Yeah. Um, my career kind of went into uh, the small business area, doing social media for small businesses. Then I got hired by Girl Scouts of Southwest Texas here in San Antonio as their communications specialist. And that is really when I started interacting with the local media, building those relationships. I think Vince Davis at the Express News was one of the first I worked with, um, and then Darlene, who was previously with uh, with WAI News, uh, is now at the city of San Antonio. So it's somebody who was always so kind to me when I was first starting out as a little baby PR person. Um, <laughs> and then I went over, I got over to the city. I had, once I had that taste of, of local government at the city of Austin, I, I really wanted to be a public information officer. And so I applied for a job with the city of San Antonio when it opened up and, and then the, the communications office, communications department. And that was like a six month hiring process. It was not simple. Um, <laughs> But I got hired there and I still remember my first day walking into City Hall and just like, you know, big eyes and just kind of like, oh, my gosh, this feels this feels important. Like this feels like I am a part, a piece of something that is really important and really impactful. And that's definitely what my experience was with the city. I feel like whenever you work downtown, I mean, definitely, I'm sure if you work for the city, you know, if you're at City Hall, it feels important. But I I just remember the first time that I like started working downtown and I was at the Frost Bank building before they moved into the new tower. And I mean, I just felt important just being there downtown, walking around the streets. I'm right there next to City Hall, next to Main Plaza. And then, of course, being part of the... uh, the move over into the frost tower, it just felt the same because, you know, I was part of that work. I was part of the plans. Like I was kind of in the know in terms of what's going on with the tower and, and the new tower. It just felt important being downtown, you know, so I can't even imagine what it felt like (laughs) being in city hall there. Have you been there since the renovations? I have visited once. Yes, we had a meeting with District 1 a couple weeks ago, and it is so beautiful. The team did an incredible job with that renovation. Have you have you had a chance to check it out? I haven't. I will be honest, I have never been inside. I haven't had the um, I haven't been fortunate enough to be inside City Hall. So I don't I don't know what the difference looks like. I would just see pictures and I've of course heard of the renovations, but I've never been inside. I don't know. Is that, I mean, is that something you just go and check out? You have to be invited. I don't know what that's like. Yeah, I think if you uh, I don't I don't want to speak for them. I think if you have official business, then you're certainly invited. Um, I know that the the whole goal was to make it a more public, inclusive place. That's why they, uh, you know, redid the front porch or the front front patio area. Because right, it wasn't accessible, right? It or, was, I mean, but it was, it was not, uh, it was not easy. And so now it is much more accessible and you don't have to, if you're, you know, on a wheelchair, unable to, to use stairs, you don't have to go to the back of the building in order to get in. So they did a wonderful job and it is beautiful. And, and even though you haven't seen what it looked like before, they did a wonderful job of restoring a lot of the tile and the artwork, um, that's on the ceiling. And so it's a, it's a wonderful marriage of kind of that old, uh, that old and new and, you know, preserving the history, but also looking forward. So they, the team did a wonderful job with City Hall. What was it like for you when you moved from Austin to San Antonio? I mean, were you kind of disappointed at first or were you like excited? I mean, I'm sure with any new job, you're, you're excited about the new job. 
and the outlook on that. But, you know, some people have different perspectives of San Antonio than some of us who have grown up here. Yeah. So full disclosure, I never actually lived in Austin. Um, I did from San Marcos when I had that internship and all of my friends, you know, when we graduated, they all went to Austin. So that's really where I wanted to be. Um, I applied for who knows how many jobs uh, and did not get hired. And and that's not, you know, I felt a lot of shame about, you know, I ended up moving back to Fredericksburg with my parents for about three months. And I felt a lot of shame about that for a long time, but truly that's part of my story. And and I, I learned how to hustle for one what I wanted. And even though I was working for an old lady shoe store on Main Street for three months, you know, I didn't just mope around and, and get sad about that. I got them up on social media. I built a website for them. I did these things that I knew would help their business um, and their bottom line and things that are still operating today, you know, over 10 years later for them. And I got hired at a, a web development firm doing uh, marketing for them. And they were based out of Bernie. I was, of course, not super excited about having to move to San Antonio, which is probably a better choice than having to move to Bernie. But um, uh, nothing against Bernie, also a very adorable town. But for somebody who was 21 at the time, you know, San Antonio was- You want to be in the city. Yeah, yeah <laughs> option. And, and to be fair, I don't think I lived in the best place. I lived like off of near De, De Zavala in between Woodstone and De Zavala off of I-10. And I didn't know anyone. I really didn't. And so all I knew was I'm going to gravitate toward downtown, gravitate toward live music. I love live music. And that was the only thing that I could think to do. So, you know, 10 years ago, San Antonio looked very different than it does today. And it was, you know, in the midst of that decade of downtown with Mayor Julian Castro, that excited feeling was definitely, it was there, but it's nothing compared to what downtown looks like today or the momentum that's behind downtown. And I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, everything that's going on and, and things at Hemisphere specifically, but, you know, in a, in a crazy way. And I know, you know, we talk about San Antonio being this really, really small town. Like, I mean, today I'll meet people that I knew or met or ran into 10 years ago and I hadn't seen them in 10 years, but now they're super connected to networks that I had no idea about. And so, for example, you know, I met um, Kim Johnson, who's now at Texas Public Radio, Libby Day, who's now with the San Antonio Parks Foundation. I met them through the music scene Um, in San Antonio. They had a blog called SATX Music. I think it's still around. And, you know, it was just a really I met Stephanie Guetta, Puro Pinche for the first time back then. And so it's just you you have an opportunity to meet people and make an impact in San Antonio. And I saw that, you know, I I couldn't see it. and, And it was easy to be like, well, San Antonio isn't Austin a decade ago, but today I'm so grateful that I stayed, that I've been here and I planted roots here and and made my life in San Antonio. Um, And it's been wonderful to see the success of everyone around me and just how everyone has plugged in and really come together to make San Antonio the best city that it can be. Yeah. And that's what I've, what I've noticed, you know, having this podcast and, and, and meeting people like yourself, Thea, and, and, and all of the other amazing people that I've met on the podcast is like, this city does feel like a small town sometimes. A lot of times it does. As, as big as it is, it's the seventh largest city in the country. And it just sometimes it feels like a small town and it, it gives me the, the thought and the feeling like it's a little easier to make an impact here. I mean, obviously it takes a lot of work to do so, but it just seems like it's easier here to make an impact, to make those connections and and to do that kind of work where if you're in a city that's larger, it's very hard to do so. Um, but what's interesting about that is like, I mean, in terms of size, we're a bigger city than Austin. 
you know? And so I, I'm wondering, I mean, I've never lived in Austin. Well, I mean, technically I lived there for like a summer, but I, I'm wondering if it's the same over there because it's smaller in size. I've heard a lot of, a lot more discontent lately from people who have been there for five, 10, 15 years. Um, and it seems like Austin, and this is just my, my judgment. I don't know if it's accurate or not my opinion, but you know, it seems like Austin has lost that, that charm kind of lost that identity that it had of being what you just said. It's like a small, a small, big city where you can make it, make an impact, make a difference. You can launch your, your band or your startup. And, you know, people know that reputation for Austin and they want that. Right. But I don't know that there's enough of that left to go around over there. And, you know, my sister and brother-in-law just moved to Pflugerville and so I, I'm spending a little more time in Austin than I, I really care to, <laughs> but, um, you know, but they're, you know, they're starting their family. So I'll be over there more often, but I, I tell you, I feel just a, a huge sigh of relief once I get back to San Antonio after that drive and after the traffic and the, what you said, you know, it's something I've heard come up in a lot of conversations lately. I'm in, I'm in leadership San Antonio class 45, which coincidentally is also the longest class ever because we had a pandemic. So we were virtual and now we're doing this in person and it's the dual leadership program with the San Antonio Chamber and the, uh, the Hispanic Chamber. And we had David Robinson Jr. with Western Urban come and speak on a panel a couple weeks ago. And, and he made that same point. You really can make an impact in San Antonio. You can make a change. You can be a part of the decisions that are being made here, the process, the influence, you know, and, and I think that that's really special and not something that should be taken for granted. And and I do think, you know, when I was fresh and new here, I did take that for granted. I was, you know, just looking for a way out for so long. And then, you know, finally, I I think it probably happened when I got the job with the city and was able to just be a part of so many different initiatives and programs and the, you know, crisis response and really like plug in that I finally felt like, okay, this is where I want to be. And um, I want to be a part of this and I want to be helpful, right? Like I want to be as helpful as possible to as many people as possible for the city that I love. And and that's really been, it's been my story for, for a little while now. And I am glad that I, that I sat all the way down. You, you brought up a great point and uh, regarding the conversations that surround Austin and it not being looked at or um, people there not feeling like it's that small town that it used to be. And I hear that from both my parents went to UT Austin. um, So they lived in Austin for a few years. um, And I know at first they were upset when they moved to San Antonio. (laughs) Um, They missed Austin very much, but they missed what it felt like back then when they were going to school in in the 80s and early 90s, you know, and that's when Austin felt like that. It makes me think, like, is San Antonio on that path, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 20 years from now? Are we going to sit here and be like, San Antonio used to be like that. It used to feel like a small town, but now <laughs> it's this huge city that it's not as easy to make an impact. It's not as easy to get into the circles and make the connections that we can at this point in time. I hope we hold on to it. It's a challenge and an opportunity, right? I think that San Antonio has always been about five to 10 years behind these other major cities. And I've, I've noticed that I've paid attention to it. And I think that that is, you know, when you look at that, it is an opportunity to plan more deliberately for the future. And another another thing that I think can be 
dangerous is that when it comes to planning for the future, we can't just plan 10 years ahead or 20 years ahead. We really have to try and say, what are our major goals for this community, for San Antonio, for the residents who live here, for the people who are moving here, and really make sure that the investments that we're making in our, you know, our, our jobs, our um, our economy, our infrastructure, that these are things that are going to be able to accommodate everyone who is here and those who are coming. And, you know, if you're having those conversations now, when you're looking at the 22 bond, for example, is coming up in May, you know, we don't just want to plan for five years, you know, five years until the next bond. Like we want to make sure that the investments that we're making are going to withstand whatever is happening. And I think Austin is running into that when you look at their highway infrastructure, when you look at the um, the homelessness issues, which I know we certainly have so, you know, many of those same challenges here. It's definitely something that, and I know people are working on it, right? I think the other thing too is I know that there's a, a habit, a tendency for new organizations to be created or new initiatives to be created. And then you suddenly have like 10 different organizations or initiatives that are supposed to target or work on the same thing. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be said about bringing people together in a room and trying to hash out these problems or these, these challenges, instead of just creating something new and going off and being, you know, being autonomous, it needs to be, we have an opportunity to reach across and to build these bridges and to come together and try and challenge or trying to tackle these challenges together. And I do think that that is what sets San Antonio apart. We still have room to do that. And so that's what my hope is for for this city is that more people, instead of trying to create their own and do their own thing, they say, who's, who's already working on this and how can we partner and how can we make this better and how can we um, go further so that we're not being so short-sighted. Yeah. And I like, uh, again, referring back to my conversation with DeMonte Alexander, he had mentioned that when he was speaking with Henry Cisneros, right, and that Henry Cisneros was the one who had said, we need more bridge builders. And I liked that. I, I It resonated with me because of what you just said. I think we have that opportunity here in San Antonio. And I think I mentioned that in that interview as well. But um, I've mentioned it to people outside of the podcast, just that because we have that tendency to be five, ten years behind or whatever it may be, it gives us the opportunity to not make the same mistakes. We can look at other cities and seeing some of the initiatives that they put in place, some of the organizations and things and the work that they've done. And if maybe they made a mistake, maybe they did the wrong thing. Maybe it didn't work the way that that city wanted it to. We can work together. I say we, but the city as a whole, different organizations, the government here can make those necessary changes to whatever it is that that needs to happen here in San Antonio. Because yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think we have that opportunity here. That is the benefit of being maybe five or 10 years behind, right? Is that we can sit back and look at the mistakes, I guess you would say, but more, you know, the, like you said, the challenges that we face, um, that other cities have faced or are facing and say, well, we may face those challenges. Let's be ready now. I don't want to gloss over the change that you made going from the city to hemisphere. What kind of prompted that change? You know, what, what made you leave the city? You know, I joke about this a lot, but it is true that um, one year at the city is like dog years. It's like seven years. And because you're dealing with so much on a daily basis, and especially in the crisis communications realm, um, the government affairs, the public affairs, it's, you know, you're handling so many things. And, um, and I had been there for a long, I think a, a long time. I mean, five years, especially for millennials is a long time to be anywhere. And I was proud of myself for, for attaining that goal. And it just got to a point, you know, I didn't have, there wasn't a clear path for, for my position to go. And, you know, I had some aggressive 
financial goals that I needed to accomplish. And I know as a financial advisor, you'd appreciate that. But I was approached by the team at Hemisphere and, you know, who I'd, I'd interacted with, I'd worked with on a couple of things. And actually, fun fact, when I came to San Antonio, I mentioned I, I knew to go downtown, even if I didn't live downtown. And the first community event that I went to was uh, Luminaria at Hemisphere. I think it was back in 2011, maybe 2012. And I remember thinking how cool it was, but it was just this kind of vacant space. There was nothing there. It was fenced off. And it was really cool to see how Hemisphere had progressed and the redevelopment had progressed as a resident. Um, and back when I was at Girl Scouts, they were going through the visioning process for the master plan for Hemisphere. And I went, that was my first public meeting. And it's so crazy how these things kind of up, but my first public meeting I went to, it was at uh, Sunset Station and they had all of these big tables and asking the community, what do you want to see in your, your, you know, San Antonio's Civic Park, San Antonio's Central Park. And, and so it was, it was great when they approached me about that and, and told me, you know, here's the vision, here's, here's where we're going, here's what we have coming down the line. And we need someone like you to help with our strategic communications with our, our advocacy efforts. And, and so, yeah, it, it was, it was a really great opportunity and it definitely was a leap. I was very out outside of my comfort zone and very strange timing considering we had a pandemic a year later. So I think everyone's jobs have changed significantly, uh, not just, you know, at Hemisphere, but, uh, but everyone across the board. Um, and I'm grateful that I still, still have a job and, and that we have been able to withstand what we've faced thus far in the pandemic. And it's been incredible. So Hemisphere, Yanaguana Garden is the first park. And I know, you know, your listeners have heard Andres already, but so the the first park um, opened in 2015. And so it actually stayed open throughout the pandemic. We did not close the park. That's not what we want to do. And and luckily, we're, you know, we're grateful that the city did not say that all city parks were closed. So all of our programming had to stop though. So very quickly we pivoted and I said, what can we do that will still connect people that will keep them engaged? And so we, we pivoted to a virtual story time, virtual programming. You know, I, when I got hired at Hemisphere, I did not think that I'd be working the back end of virtual programming or, you know, doing a lot of stuff on our website, but that's what needed to happen. And that's, it was something that we were still able to serve our community through. And it was, you know, a weekly joy to see 20 kids and their families on Zoom every week, you know, getting the story time, just the sense of normalcy that we were able to provide during the pandemic. Yeah. And I was going to ask you what it is that you do there at Hemisphere because obviously, you know, up to this point, if listeners don't know who you are, they know that you're, you've done PR, you've done social media work, you've done a little bit of journalism. But I mean, are you doing a little bit of everything there at Hemisphere? <laughs> Yeah, so I think when you're in communications, you you really do. You're a jack of all trades. Um, so I don't. I I definitely do not have one specialty. Um, so my official title is director of marketing for the Hemisphere Park Area Redevelopment Corporation. Uh, but I I handle our branding for the Hemisphere District. I support the Hemisphere Conservancy with don you know some donor communications. I handle our media relations or any you know hopefully you know no crisis communications yet. But um, you know any anything that has to do with working with our small business tenants to get their messaging out, messaging the district as a whole, working with our elected officials uh, at the local, state, and federal level um, with their offices to keep them engaged and apprised of what's happening at, at Hemisphere. Uh, that's my role. So it's definitely taking a lot more shape now that things have opened back up and um, you know we have some, some aggressive goals coming up. Civic Park, of course, breaking ground. Hopefully in September, we have our contractor selection 
election that'll be uh, going over to city council. And so a lot of these things are going to be happening and very happening very quickly. Um, but it's really nice to be busy again. <laughs> you know, people underestimate the work and the redevelopment that's going on there at Hemisphere. And even when I had heard about the redevelopment, I was like, okay, it's just another redevelopment, right? In my opinion at the time. But after meeting you and Andres and doing a little bit of research and, and, and then even doing the interview with Andres and just learning more about Hemisphere, the point that he brought up that just really stuck with me was that all these great cities that you hear about in the United States have those great urban parks. And that just really stuck with me because it's so true. I mean, you go to a place like New York City and you just think of Central Park and other cities have similar other large, large cities have those things. And in San Antonio, we do now, but we didn't necessarily have that. And I feel like Hemisphere is that is going to continue to be that. I think it's important that that Hemisphere is that large urban park that people when they're planning their trip to San Antonio that they make sure they visit because of everything going on at Hemisphere, not just the tower, right? But the park and and the different things that, that are going to be included when phase two is, right? When phase two, Civic Park is completed. I mean, it's just going to be amazing to, to see and it's just going to add to the lure of downtown. So when you come downtown as a tourist, you're not just looking to go to the river walk, which is still amazing, but you can go, you know, <laughs> you can make the walk. It's not that far. Um, over to Civic Park and Hemisphere. And I think it's going to be, it's just going to do, it's going to work wonders for our city. I, I truly believe that. We agree. We absolutely agree. And the great thing about where we're situated is we have that close proximity to everything. The Riverwalk actually kind of dovetails over by the convention center and spills out into Hemisphere. So we have that connection. Of course, we're right by the Alamo. We have the Torch of Friendship that's across from the what will be Source Plaza of Civic Park. So um, and I know, you know, there has been some frustration in the community about how long it has taken for this process to take place. But you know, development follows funding and, and we, um, you know, we had some funding in the 2017 bond. We're seeking some additional funding in the 22 bond. And, you know, we are looking at other alternative funding sources and doing everything that we can um, so that we can create this this magnificent experience for San Antonio residents and then those who visit here. So it's been a really great opportunity to be a part of this team. We're a very small team, very small, very hardworking. It's something that I know will bring people People back to San Antonio that they, you know, something that they can be proud of. Like you said, it's something they can, you know, if you're, if you're planning a trip here, you know, this is where the locals go. And that's, that's really important too, is that hemisphere is for San Antonio locals first. Um, that's why 84% of the people who visit are from San Antonio and they come, you know, we, we had a meeting with uh, District 6 City Councilwoman Melissa Cabello-Haverda a couple weeks ago, and we have a, a heat map that shows where all of our visitors come from. And, and we have people traveling from the, the northernmost stretch of her district, which goes up by Holotas, and they come, you know, 30 minutes down to Hemisphere. And that was just, it's really cool to be able to show that, that people find solace there, they find something exciting. And that's just one of three phases that is happening. So we're really, really looking forward to breaking ground later this year. Do you think it'll rival Zilker Park? Since San Antonio likes to to find itself rivaling Austin in, in, in every facet. I know people like to argue <laughs> over breakfast tacos, but in terms of parks, you know, do you think it'll rival that? <laughs> I think it, it will be 
its own special park. I don't think it's a rival. I think that it, you know, what we're building here is something very unique. And so we will, you know, hopefully our, our goal is to host major concerts and festivals. And I think you'll find that here. Um, maybe nothing as massive as ACL. I don't know that the footprint can quite handle that right now, but, um, but certainly the same energy and excitement. Um, and we're really, really excited and looking forward to that. Do you see something like Malaluna could happen there? What happened to Malaluna? That's what I have no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, Thea, you know, like everybody here in San Antonio. So I was, I was like, I was hoping that you might know somebody that worked on Malaluna. Um, yeah. That- you know, honestly, I do think I, oh man, I don't even want to name names because I'm not sure if I'll get that right. <laughs> We'll talk after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's just w- when they first thought of Malaluna, I mean, I was like, finally, right? And I'm sure a lot of people in San Antonio felt the same way. Um, it's like, finally, we can get a music festival. If you look back at that lineup, it was pretty good looking back at it at the, at the first lineup. Was that Cardi B? I, I think she- so. I think so. I, I think Little Uzi Vert was there. Like, if you look back at that lineup, it was actually really good. Um, and they had it there at, at Lone Star. And of course, the redevelopment's happening there. But then they moved it out to Nelson Wolf. And I was just like, what? The parking lot? I, was, I remember seeing that. And, and, and at the time, I was just like, what? You know, Austin has this amazing park that they have it at with the city in the background. And we're going to have it at our, you know, double A baseball stadium park, uh, parking lot. So I'm hoping, you know, a couple of years ago when I first saw the, the redevelopment plans, the master plan for Hemisphere, and of course, you'd see the little mock-ups of, of a stage there at Civic Park. Maybe Malaluna will move there or something similar at least so we can get those those artists. Because I think San Antonio, you know, I, I'm not huge into the the music scene. Um, I love listening to music and I follow, you know, entertainment and what's going on with the musical artists. But we get looked over so many times by musical artists, big musical artists. And I just feel like maybe if we did have that big music festival, well-known music festival or something similar to that, that maybe we can, you know, we can get those those big artists to come here in San Antonio because we get overlooked so much when it comes to music. Yeah, it is true. And that's definitely a, a frustration shared by many um, in San Antonio. And and I think I think Cardi B actually performed at the one at Nelson Wolf. So that's the one that I went to. I didn't make it over to the one at Lone Star. But, you know, I and I, I really applaud anyone locally, any organizers who um, who try to create those experiences. Oh, for sure. So whether it's Nelson Walter or, you know, or anywhere. I think just the fact they that tried. they tried. Yeah, they tried to do it and they and they put something together. Yes. And they're investing in San Antonio and, and trying, you know, proving that we do have a market for it. We do have an appetite for it. And um, I don't know if you came to the the final four when they had the um, they had the music festival at the future site of Civic Park. So I think already San Antonio has tasted what that might look like in downtown. And that's definitely what we want to replicate we want to do more regularly. So I think it'll happen. I think, you know, there's a lot of music venues in town are, are, are opening back up. Of course, you know, you have the Tobin, you have the Aztec, you have, you know, the smaller, smaller places. And so I think it's really just a matter of, of showing up and turning out and, and people want that. They want that experience here. And I think we'll see more of it as more opportunities come out. And then definitely once the Great Lawn at Civic Park opens, we will be hosting hopefully many, many musical acts. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the future of San Antonio and, and some improvements that maybe we'd like to see, I mean, what are some other things in San Antonio that maybe irk you or just some challenges that we might face that, you know, you have your opinions on. I know that you've you've worked in city government before. Now you're not in city government, but you work closely with them. You know, what are some things that you might like to see changed here in San Antonio? 
you know, that's a tough, a tough question. I will say, and this isn't really, I don't know how this can even be solved, but one of the beauties of San Antonio is that you have room to spread out and to stretch your, you know, stretch your legs and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to stretch your legs and then trip somebody, you know, we have space, we have room, we have, and, and I live nearby the Pearl. So I, you know, I go there frequently, whether to get work done at local coffee founders or to grab a bite to eat. And when I am there on a busier day, I find myself going like, oh gosh, I hope that this isn't what this will be like forever. You know, I hope that this, I don't want San Antonio to turn into Austin because I think what we have here is this culture and this community and maybe not so much at Pearl, but you know, when you look around so much of what makes San Antonio great is the history that was here before, you know, the, the families that have been here for generations, the Latino culture, we don't want to lose that, lose sight of that and that preservation of the history, whether it's through buildings or through, um, you know, festivals or organizations who have been here who are, who are on the ground floor working and trying to provide resources to people. So I think what can we do to amplify those voices, um, amplify the work that these smaller organizations, smaller businesses are doing um, and protect them and, and keep them not only in business, but helping them be successful so that they can withstand any growth that happens in the city, that they don't get edged out, that we don't see what happened on, you know, on the east side of Austin, where you have like, oh, what is it like a Target and a Whole Foods that have replaced all of these bars and restaurants that have been down there. And then the the community that lived on that side of town now can't afford to live there anymore. And we don't, to me, like, we don't, we don't want that. I don't think we do. I think that that's not authentic to who San Antonio is. And we don't want to be a city of displacement. We want to be a city of coming together, that bridge building, those connections, and um, really staying grounded in our roots. Yeah, and I think it's a very fine line that that we've walked here as a community, as a city government here in San Antonio, and it's it's very gray area. Like, it, well, and I say that, that might not be the best term, but what I mean is you have people that on the surface, they want to, you know, they're, they're, they're frustrated that San Antonio hasn't progressed as fast as they want it to. And I'm sure there's certain areas that San Antonio can progress faster and should progress faster. Um, at the same time, like you said, there's some things that you can't, if you do progress too fast in some areas like that kind of development, you might lose that culture. And I think San Antonio up to this point has done a pretty good job at maintaining the the culture and, and not losing it and not turning into, into Austin and, and the bad things that Austin has. But I don't know. I mean, going forward, I, again, that is something to, to definitely look out for. And hopefully that the city takes into consideration is just walking that fine line of, of making progression, you know, having more skyscrapers, not just one within 25 years, uh, like we saw with the Frostbank Tower, those kinds of things. But at the same time, not losing our culture, not losing our focus, not losing our history, our history that made San Antonio great the great parts that we want to keep at least. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how San Antonio will look in the next five, 10, 15, 20 plus years. I totally agree with you. And I think one of the the traps that is easy to fall into and, and maybe we have in the past is that, you know, being so hungry and, and hungry for new business opportunities and bringing headquarters here and businesses here. Um, but again, I, through LSA, we, we got to talk to Jenna Sacedo Herrera and everything that they're doing at Greater SATX, uh, formerly the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation. And um, one thing she mentioned is, is seeking that quality over quantity. And I think that's where 
where we are right now. Like now is the time to pivot. We're not just, we don't just want whatever we can get. We want the companies that are going to make investments in our community, smart investments, helpful investments, um, and not just bringing a hundred low wage paying jobs exactly. here. We want to lift up our community. We want to uh, give them access to higher paying opportunities. And, and I think that that is, it's good to know that the people who are making those decisions have that in mind as well. The more chances that we have as a community to participate in public input, um, to give that feedback to our elected officials, to our city leaders, you know, it's important to, to be heard and to make sure that you are sharing what your concerns are with the people who are in charge who are making those decisions on your behalf, because ultimately there are taxpayer dollars, you know, there are votes. And I think that that's been one thing that I saw during the pandemic is, you know, for the first time in my life, I had an opportunity to participate, not in my life, excuse me, but the first time since leaving, you know, the city organization, I really felt like I had an opportunity to make my voice heard and to participate as a resident in the public process. And I had, I learned a lot of lessons from that as well. But it was, you know, it it can be scary to speak up. But the truth is, like, that's all we have, you know, we have our voice, and we have our heart. And the more that we can share that, the more that we can, we can help ensure that San Antonio remains on the trajectory that we want it to be on. Well, San Antonio has a lot of great places. Um, uh, We talked a lot about Hemisphere, obviously, since you are a part of Hemisphere and what's going on, all the great things going on there. But in terms of just the places we have available, Southtown, the Pearl, you know, even La Cantera, the Mission Reach, the Museum Reach. We, you know, there's so many amazing restaurants, bars, organizations, parks, um, just places to hang out. And that's not even mentioning the, the tourism areas downtown. What are some places around San Antonio that you enjoy frequenting? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm a creature of habit, but I also love exploring new places. Um, I, I love the the restaurant scene here. The fact that so many new places are opening up. I just read about Roots, which is the salad kitchen that's opening up in Southtown. I can't, my, my whole office, we're just so excited to try that out. And, you know, when I, when I think about my favorite places, this is going to sound probably very simple, but I love Hotel Emma. I love that they have committed to keeping their lobby open to locals and making it open to the community. And and so, you know, for ever since it's been open, you know, occasionally I would go and do work there. Um, But I love supper at Hotel Emma for breakfast. And it's my favorite breakfast spot. You know, I've brought so many first dates there. Like I've done, I've done it all. My girlfriends and I, like we, we love just to meet there to catch up through the week. And it's the, the staff and the service and the lighting, you know, I'm just a big, I'm a big windows person. So if you have a nice place with good food and good service and big windows, I'm there. I love um, I love the Mission Reach. I think that it is such a beautiful stretch of Texas that you you don't get anywhere else in the world. And I'm I'm a runner. I love to run, and that's my favorite place in San Antonio to just kind of check out, put my headphones in, and just go because um, you can you can go for many many miles and not see the same thing twice. But yeah, we have you know we have so many wonderful art museums, and I think there's even something special, very special. I think about St. Mary's Strip when you're going. Looking for a night out, you want to just be among other people. I've gone to Rumble a handful of times. I, you know, I, I mean, I was at the St. Mary's Strip ten years ago, and there was not very much there. But it's been cool to see that transform too, and um, see so many young people. And I feel weird. I'm, I just turned thirty-two, so I feel weird being like, oh, those young youngins. But, um, but it is, you know, there is a an energy in San Antonio here that 
that I don't think necessarily existed a decade ago. So it's been really cool to see people who have chosen to stay here or come here and, and just celebrate being alive. And we really need that now, especially after the last year and a half. I have a lot of favorites and I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And, yeah. and you know, it's funny because I, I wonder, and whenever I come across younger kids, I guess you would say, um, kids at that age that are going out, you know, kids that are maybe in college or just graduated college. And I, I ask them how they feel about the, the bar scenes here in San Antonio and just going out because you know, when I was going through, I, I don't know, you call it a phase, but I mean, I still, we still go out. I don't know if you call it a phase. It just felt like there wasn't as much. I mean, th- we had the St. Mary's strip. I don't know. It just people in, when I was in high school and then when I was in college, it just wasn't, everyone wanted to go to Austin, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was just like the mindset. But I don't think it's like that anymore. I don't think the the kids that are 18, 19, 21, starting to go out and drink, like, I don't think that's their mindset anymore. I, I'm sure they still love going to Austin, but, you know, we have options here. I'm kind of with you on, on feeling a little old. I mean, I'm 28, but I remember I had my first experience feeling old um, at a bar. We went to, there's a place, I think it's called Sandbox, I think, by UTSA. And I don't know. I just felt out of place there. <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? I mean, this really is a, a college bar because I just did not feel <laughs> like I belonged there. Um, the music they were playing, just the kind of the, the, the people that were in there. I'm like, nope, this is the first time I ever felt old. But <laughs> I, I, I get it. I totally get it. I think we went to this uh, t- early 2000s party, the white tea ball at Paper Tiger a couple weeks ago. I think it was like a month or so ago. And there were these, I mean, kids that probably, well, it was supposed to be a 25 and up party, which I, I think that was the appeal because I, we <laughs> love, I love dancing. I love just going, you know, going crazy, whatever. So, um, but we went and it was, but you know, that's the thing. Like nobody thinks about us as much as we think about ourselves. And so I, it's, it's special to come into a place and just be like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy myself no matter what. I don't care that I'm the oldest <laughs> person in the <laughs> I'm gonna dance I'm gonna be you know go wild and yeah I feel like we're not yeah we have a we have room to do that here and you never know who you're gonna run into I will say that but um, <laughs> we know how to have fun and and it's really just it's it's really awesome to see people just enjoying life right now really truly like I'm if anything like that is my that is my favorite thing about where we are in this moment is going to events or going out and seeing people just enjoying themselves and um yeah and that's what I want for I want for everyone in San Antonio. Yeah, and speaking of enjoying ourselves, I think Fiesta was a hit <laughs> as it always is, you know, but I know people worried going into it how it was going to look, how it was going to feel being in the middle of summer, it was going to be hot, but I think people turned out for fiesta more than what people thought it was going to look like i don't know if you had yet same feeling about fiesta but i mean i did my my girlfriend and i went to a bunch of events and i mean there was a ton of people yeah so i have this is going to be very controversial zachary so this (laughs) is when people click off the podcast but i i have left town like i have left town deliberately every year for like the last three or four years during fiesta because i typically do not enjoy crowds i do not enjoy being around a bunch of sweaty people just you know sweating together and i you know but i was so excited for fiesta and of course we hosted the the kickoff at at hemisphere um and again it was like we needed that energy we needed something to bring us together to like bring everyone downtown and um to celebrate and so this year i was 
really, really glad. Of course I stayed, I stayed here. I participated, went to a lot of events. I was exhausted. I think once, once we got vaccinated, it went from like zero to a thousand miles per hour and, you know, definitely needed a little rest after, after the weeks of fiesta. But I agree with you. It's, it's been, it's been great. It was wonderful. Really hope we never have to do it in uh, the summer ever again. Because it was very hot. (laughs) I was sweating through every meticulously put together outfit that I had but um, well I think next year it's going to be even um earlier in the year than it usually is I think it starts like in March of next year I'm very okay with that because <laughs> <laughs> even in April sometimes it gets hot when you put it in the summer I mean it was just extra hot I'm glad we we're able to have that but Thea uh before I let you go I want you to plug in whatever you want to plug in uh, whether it be events your social medias anything yeah, well, definitely follow us on Hemisphere's accounts. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hemisphere. Uh, it's Hemisphere, H-E-M-I-S-F-A-I-R, not Hemisphere. Not hemisphere. I will yeah. say. No, I think it's so funny that it's only San Antonio locals who call it Hemisphere, <laughs> uh, but it's not. I promise you that doesn't exist. Um, so definitely follow us on social media. We just celebrated our three millionth visitor to Yanaguana Garden last weekend. It was a, a really great celebration. And um, if you have haven't come down to hemisphere please do uh there's parking for free for the first 30 minutes in the hemisphere garage at 623 hemisphere boulevard gotta say that and then yeah i'm on social media my twitter handle is at the Sutterbow. it's the same on instagram um definitely i i love i love san antonio i mostly chronicle my outfits on instagram so apologies in advance for the gratuitous selfies um but yeah i'm i'm just super i love i love this city so much and i'm glad that we're back i'm glad that i you know i started going back to the office in December because uh, I was tired of my own company and little by little you know week after week started to see more and more people downtown on my drive into the office and I just love I love the energy that's happening I love seeing everybody out and about and um, I know we still have you know we're not out of the woods at all especially with the delta variant and the numbers that are kind of creeping back up but um you know, I think it's been really wonderful to see how our community can withstand such a major crisis and, and how we come together and to accomplish whatever we need to. So thank you so much for having me on. That wraps up my discussion with Thea Setterbo. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't go anywhere, though, because I'll be right back with the Essay Talk local recommendation of the week with famous San Antonio foodie, Essay Lunchador. Stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Zach. As some of you may know, I help people plan for retirement. And as your advisor, I can not only show you how money truly works, but put you in control of your money today and in retirement. If you're looking to schedule a financial review, please give me a call at 210-760-0409. Welcome back into Essay Talk. I just want to say thank you again to Thea for joining me on the podcast. It was really fun hopping on a recording with her and talking about San Antonio. Obviously, we had planned to talk about her work and her career here in town, but I knew that we would kind of break off into different discussions. Thea's a real connector in San Antonio, and more important than that, the people that know her always have wonderful things to say. After the recording, we spoke for a little while, and I was telling her exactly that. Anytime I've met someone, usually through the podcast, and they know Thea, they always go on about how great of a person she is. And that's what really stands out to me. When I'm talking to people, and we find out we have a mutual friend or connection or contact, you know, they usually say, oh yeah, I know that person. And that's about it. Our conversation usually carries forward at that point. 
but not when Thea comes up. When Thea comes up, they just start talking about how they know her and how wonderful she's been to that person and their different experiences with her. It's honestly really cool because, like I said, not everyone garners that kind of reaction or respect. I'm sure it's easier said than done, but that's what I want people to say about me when I get brought up. Sure, I would love for people to know me as a good advisor or a good podcaster, but it really would mean a lot more to me to be known as someone who has either made a positive impact or someone who has treated that person well. Anyway, I know I've told this story before while talking to other guests on the podcast, but it was kind of funny how I met Thea and how we kind of got to this point in recording this episode. I think it was around March, and it was definitely when I was still doing the original format of the podcast. It was just SA Talk podcast. I was discussing a story on the San Antonio Report. I believe it was about the plans for Fiesta in the next few months. And when I was talking about Hemisphere, I think I had something to say about how, aside from the Tower of Americas, there's just a little park and a courthouse there. And not long after, the podcast received an email from Hemisphere that basically let us know that they had been listening, had heard us mention the park a few times, and they went on to explain about what has been happening at Hemisphere, the redevelopment, uh, the park, Yanaguana Gardens, and even offered to speak with us to explain a little bit more. What was funny, though, is they closed the email by saying, I promise it's way more than a little park and a courthouse, like literally in quotations, pretty much quoting me from uh, my podcast episode. Well, of course, the person who sent that email was Thea Serbo. And, you know, she could have easily listened to that episode where I'm talking about Hemisphere. I basically disrespect the park by, you know, saying it only has this or only has that. She could have easily ignored that, not listened to the podcast ever again, and not reached out, right? But instead, she sees that as an opportunity to reach out, meet with us, a podcast that's talking about San Antonio... And again, use that opportunity to to educate us and talk about what is actually going on at Hemisphere, letting us know so we can tell our listeners and our followers. And so we can bring our families and our friends or ourselves to visit Hemisphere and understand what is actually going on there. She also could have easily gotten upset or Hemisphere could have gotten upset and said, hey, why are these people who talk about San Antonio not accurately describing what our park has or is doing. But again, instead, she took that time to reach out to us in a nice way, a joking way, and speak with us about it. And it was so cool. You know, we got to meet with her and Andres, the CEO of Hemisphere, who, of course, I interviewed on Searching for San Antonio. And of course, we talked about the plans and the the layout and, you know, what's happened since then. Thea even took us on a little tour of the park. And again, it just goes to show you know, the heart that she has and the kind of person she is. So huge shout out to Thea again, and I appreciate her joining me on SA Talk. But of course, moving on to the weekly recommendation of the week. Back again is our favorite Instagram and TikTok foodie, SA Lunchador. So take it away. Hey there, y'all. It's SA Lunchador again with a weekly recommendation for the SA Talk podcast. Today, I'm going to be recommending a seafood place, so if that's your thing, listen closely. Now, I know this might come as a shocker to you, but the place I'm recommending is actually operating off of a food truck, and it's called La Mojarra Colichi, and you can find them off of 8701 FM 1560 in San Antonio, Texas. Now, the style of seafood that is made here 
is based off Culiacán, which is in Sinaloa, which is also pretty close to one of the coasts of Mexico. So you can bet that they know how to make good seafood there. Now, my top picks for this place are as follows. For starters, I would get the Tres Carnales, which features their three signature ceviches that they make at that truck. Another must-try item are their culichi fries. You already love curly fries. Of course, you're going to love them with cheese. Add some bacon on there. And to top it all off, some shrimp from the plancha. They're amazing. You'll eat them all. You won't want to share them. By now you're pretty thirsty. I highly recommend you get their horchata, which is also made in the truck, as well as their agua de tamarindo, which is so refreshing, and it's going to be great for this Texas heat. Last but not least, if you're a bit of a baller and you have about 50 to 60 bucks to spare, I highly recommend that you try their pulpo sarandeado. What is a pulpo sarandeado, you may ask? It's a whole cooked octopus. They roughly vary around five to six pounds, cooked in their signature blend of sauces and spices. They'll put fries on the side and rice. It's a whole family meal. It's totally worth your money and you won't regret it. Now, I do know most people aren't that keen on octopus because they might have had a bad experience where it's been too tough. Trust me, if you try this one, it'll be one of the most tender bites you've ever had of octopus. And I highly recommend trying it if you've never tried good octopus before. And that's pretty much going to wrap it up for today's recommendation. Again, if you're looking for more places to try, be sure to check out my Instagram and my TikTok at S-A-Lunchador. No periods, no spaces. Now back to you, Zach. As always, huge thank you to S.A. Lunchador for providing this week's recommendation. Be sure to follow him at S.A. Lunchador on Instagram and TikTok. That is S.A. Lunchador, and you can find him on Instagram and TikTok. But moving on to the question of the week, what has been the biggest change in San Antonio in the last decade? If you want to answer on Facebook or Instagram, you can find the new episode post and comment below. If you want to answer on Twitter, you can do the same or just tweet with hashtag SATalkAnswers. With that said, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of SA Talk. I want to give a huge thank you to all of the repeat listeners. Those of you that are day ones out there listening to the podcast, it means a lot to me that you all keep listening to the episodes and content that I put out. I also want to thank any new listeners checking out the show for the very first time. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, I would encourage you to check out previous episodes as well as my other series, Searching for San Antonio. You can also subscribe individually to SA Talk and Searching for San Antonio now on your favorite podcasting platform. You can either search for the San Antonio Podcast Network or search for those names and you should be able to find them. If you want to help the podcast out, please give a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with SEO purposes. And lastly, if you or any business owners you know are looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me at Zachary, that's Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, at sapodnetwork.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful weekend. See you again next week and Viva San Antonio.